Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. In plain tech, a good job can be hard to find, for women. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. Last June, President Biden flew to Silicon Valley to tout the massive federal investment in clean energy made possible by the Inflation Reduction Act. When I think of climate, I think of jobs. When I think of climate, I think of innovation. When I think of jobs, uh, climate, I think of turning peril into progress. For a long time, though, women have largely been shut out of clean tech. An investigation by the nonprofit newsroom The Fuller Project found that last year, women filled just 32 percent of green energy jobs. Senior editor Aaron Glantz explained there are sometimes graphic findings. What we heard uh, from the frontline workers, our reporter Kate Gammon went out and talked to some of the female workers uh, in this sector, and she found that out on the front lines of these construction sites where uh, people are putting up solar panels, uh, there is a lot of endemic, just direct sexism, people drawing penises on uh, on porta potty walls, uh, making uh, direct sexist commentary towards their colleagues, uh, propositioning uh, female workers at work. And, and that's a lot to get through. Uh, a second uh, factor is the historic pipeline issue. Uh, if you look at the skills that are needed uh, to install a solar panel or a windmill at the working class level, you're looking at a predominantly uh, male uh, workforce. Uh, but we also ask, uh, why then would this be extended to those upper echelons, the more white-collar jobs. You know, the woman who we quote in our story, who's vice president for Grid Alternatives, which is the nation's leading um, a nonprofit installer of solar panels, noted that when she was uh, at MIT in an engineering program, uh, half of her classmates were women. And it was only when she went into this green energy sector uh, that she started to find herself uh, an extreme minority. Let's talk about the government's role in this, because in the article, you note that the Inflation Reduction Act and the bipartisan infrastructure law require applicants for this clean tech money to lay out plans to promote diversity and accessibility. So 
it seems like the issue is that they're asked to do that, but there are no targets. Is that right? The only target that exists is something uh, that comes from an executive order signed 45 years ago by Jimmy Carter. Mm. And it says that there should be 6.9% of hours worked on federal construction sites uh, performed by women. Basically, women make up 50% of the population. They make up about 50% of the workforce. The only standard on the books is that women should be uh, handling 7% of the work. And even that is a goal. It's not a requirement. Uh, So uh, we haven't yet looked at these community benefits plans that the companies applying for this federal subsidy are submitting. I'm not familiar with what's in them, uh, how aggressive the Department of Energy is in monitoring them. And what our investigation shows is that all of that is very, very important. Uh, So we're going to be diving deeper in the new year. We hope other people start scrutinizing this as well, because with so much money going out the door, there is a historic opportunity to rebalance this field or for us to just basically subsidize an industry which has been employing twice as many men as women for a generation. Now, you put your findings uh, in front of people within the federal government. Uh, You, it sounds like, spoke to someone within the Department of Energy specifically. What do they have to say? I mean, they say that they know that there's a big gap and they have to close it. Uh, But as we've discussed, the standards and the tools that they're utilizing are pretty minimal. And the only thing uh, is these guidelines that say that uh, 7% of the working hours should go to women, which is like not even one in 10. So uh, we're we're functioning off of something written in the 70s, as you've laid out. Right, right. So like we're assuming that the world has not changed since Jimmy Carter uh, was president and there was no such thing as like a computer, really. So, I mean, that's where these these regulations date from. So I think this is really something that goes beyond the bureaucrats, right? Is this something that the president should be discussing, that members of Congress should be discussing, um, that should be discussed at industry conventions? You know, the people at the Department of Energy, they just follow the law. And what we found is that the law is actually quite weak. We'll be right back with more on the gender gap in clean tech with Aaron Glantz of The Fuller Project. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Aaron Glantz, senior editor at The Fuller Project. Aaron, what is your sense of how aware the companies in this clean tech sector are of this problem? I would say, first of all, that the largest uh, solar energy company in America, NextEra Energy, which has 15,000 employees, three quarters of its employees are men. That is the case both, again, from the frontline workers and in the suites. And the reason we know this is it is in their published reports, right? So they know. They are aware of it. Now, what do they think? Um, Our reporter called them. uh, They didn't call us back. Um, So I think that this is something companies are definitely aware of. They must know. I mean, that's probably one of the first demographic markers they look at. Or maybe they just like look around their office, right? (laughs) (laughs) And notice that they're all a bunch of guys, right? So the question is, is anyone asking anything of them, right? And um, is there any real robust discussion around this? And uh, I don't think that's necessarily been the case yet. And I think that's the 
you know, some of the discussion that we're hoping to get going with this uh, reporting. That was Aaron Glantz at The Fuller Project. We've linked to The Fuller Project's report written by Catherine Gammon on our website, marketplacetech.org. Aaron mentioned the pipeline problem. For more on the gap in professional skills and education, we've also posted to a recent analysis from LinkedIn. It found that one in 10 women on the platform had a so-called green skill, as defined by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That compares to one in six men on the platform. Those skills include expertise in areas like energy management and environmental policy. Daniel Shin produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.